You're listening to Work Tape, episode 36. Welcome to the Work Tape podcast. It is Isaac and Christina yet again. We're going to talk about Presence by Led Zeppelin. We're just going right into this. Yes, I'm so excited. I haven't listened to this album in a very long time and I can hear Led Zeppelin songs and be like, yeah, man, they're so good presence and actually physical graffiti. Cause I listened to a couple of those songs today too, just even parts of them. Those two albums reminded me of just how much and why I loved Led Zeppelin in the first place. Now I think with presence, it's just the raw power of the sound. Robert Plant's vocals, like it's just unhinged. Like it's just, they just go for it in that album, I think. And I think the same on physical graffiti. I think that physical graffiti, if I had to rate all of their albums as to which one I thought was the best, I think physical graffiti actually is the best. It's just that presence is one of my favorites. What year was uh, graffiti from? I forgot. Is it 70? I feel like it's 76. Well, Presence is 76. I know that much. But is Graffiti also released the same year? Let me look. Let me look. Oh, 1975 was Physical Graffiti. Okay. So it's just a year before Presence. Yeah. They started in 1969, I think. It was definitely late 60s. I'm going to have to look up Zeppelin too because I thought it was 71, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I feel like their first album was in the 60s. Either that or they like at least got together. I destroyed that. That was 69. I was totally wrong. <gasps> I was right. <laughs> no, no, you were well, naturally. Yes, yes. This one is deserved to you. But I know their debut. Wasn't their debut 69 as well? I think so. Led Zeppelin yeah. won. Led Zeppelin in won. the days of my youth. Yeah. So good. <laughs> Honestly, like that. I mean, that honestly just like showcased their raw power too. Yeah, 1969. Led Zeppelin 1 and Led Zeppelin 2 were both 1969, by the way. I noticed a lot of old school albums were released like the same year. Like the Whalers did the same thing with Catch a Fire as well as Burnin'. Okay. Those were both released in 73. So I think it's really fascinating how a lot of these bands would release like two or three albums in like a year or two. Like it's crazy. I wonder if they just had so many ideas. I know Jimmy Page started out with so many ideas, so probably that's why they had so much material. Maybe he was dazed and confused. That's very possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, I think, like, all of their albums, like, showcase just how powerful of a band they were musically. But I think with physical graffiti and presence, it's just, you know, they were older. Like you're older at some point and you get a maybe a little wiser, or you get like a little bit more musically knowledgeable. It just it's different. You change as you get older. And I feel like that happened with Led Zeppelin in a good way. They matured a little bit. Now, it's funny listening to physical, not physical graffiti presence. I finally realized why everyone hates this album. And it's because. There's not a whole lot of musical diversity on it like there are on their other albums. Like 
you have Achilles last stand, which is pretty standard Zeppelin. And then you have. Totally sounds like Barracuda. It totally does. Or Barracuda sounds like Achilles last stand. (laughs) Which I did not figure that out till you said it. And I was like, oh, you're so right. You are so right. But yeah, pretty standard Zeppelin. And then um, you have the last song, T for One, which is also pretty standard Zeppelin, but very bluesy. That's one of my favorite tracks by them. I think probably one of my two favorite tracks on that album, too. It's really good. The other songs, still standard Zeppelin, but Led Zeppelin's kind of a very riff-based band, but not even to this extent. They went riff-based all the way on Presence, I feel like, to where you could play a song and they'd be playing the same riff throughout the whole song. They would maybe on one of the songs change keys, still be in that riff, but it's not chord-based really. Like There are other songs where if you took out the riff of a Led Zeppelin song, like Custard Pie, the first track off of Physical Graffiti, it's riff-based, yes, but it's also blues-based. So if you stripped the riff from it and just did chords, you could get the idea of it. You cannot do that with almost any of the songs on Presence because it's completely based on the riff. You can't strip the riff from the song or it won't be the song anymore. It's dependent on it, I think is what I was going to say. Yeah, I had a feeling you're kind of going in that direction where you are saying um, some songs, they're bent on one riff or one or two. But then there are other songs where they're a little bit more repetitive and almost like it's not really much of an identifiable riff so much as just like an exercise, like something that every blues musician does or something like that. More like a support rather than the lead. There are lead riffs where a song is uh, identified by it. And then there are supportive riffs where anyone can put that in a song as a filler or as like a, I don't want to say filler, but you get what I'm saying, right? To kind of just support the song, but it's not meant to be the identity or the, the fingerprint of the song. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. And I feel like that's a really identifying marker of presence. And I do think that's why so many people didn't like it, because it wasn't just one or two songs that was like that. It was literally all of them, except for the first one and the last one. Even the first one a little bit is kind of like that, but it still has a lot of differing parts. Dude, Achilles' Last Stand is the teen spirit of the whole album it's repetitive but like it's still it's almost like smells like teen spirit that's still a really good song even if it's the song that you would expect people would pick out of it like you know bonham's groove yes it's super tight it's fast it's groovy they also segue a little bit like they kind of go they kind of keep it more steady but then they i like the loud soft dynamic in that album it's pretty hard rock but it still has some in my opinion i think it has a, a legitimate range of dynamics in it like it doesn't all sound exactly the same maybe i'm wrong right no i'd agree with you i think that was such a a jimmy page thing too he loved experimenting with light and dark soft and loud that was his big thing was all these extremes and like that also tied into his occultic practices that's why he was so into those things like light and dark Louds and soft, blah, 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 blah. But that, oh, the yeah, yin yang type? that legitimately yeah. is opposites. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. That was his huge thing for sure. So that definitely tied into the music. Um, man, yeah. Robert Plant's vocals on 
on those songs was so good. The one that really just my favorite one on there, like I said, is probably the last one T for one, but their song on that album, nobody's fault, but mine is my other favorite. Robert plant just goes full Robert plant, like no stopping him like an untamed stallion. And I'm just like, this is amazing. It's like literally Robert plant at his best. That sounded like him at his best now that you mention it. Yeah, it's so good. The album did kind of take on a little bit of a homogenous attitude. Some of the, yeah. it did. And I was like, well, because I listened to it again. I listened to it years ago for some reason. And I think I was like not super into it, but I had forgotten how much I did like Achilles. Like that was a given. And I was like, oh shoot. Like I totally forgot how good this song was. It's so good. Um, or it's my tastes good. have probably matured. Even though I I have liked bands like Chicago and a little bit of Jimi Hendrix experience, but I wasn't really that big on Hendrix experience. I literally was a Chicago guy. And then I kind of, you know, going from Terry Kath, Jimi Hendrix, and then a Jimmy Page, it was a gradual moving, you know, over from Terry Kath. And then I landed on, on Jimmy Page and I was like, this is pretty familiar, you know, same area and attitude. And then Good times, bad times just like swept me off my feet. And obviously, that's a great one. Bonham's kick like that. And then also listening to Immigrant Song and then um, classic. Yeah, I mean, of course, those are those are textbook Zeppelin, right? I mean, those those are those are amazing. Like those songs. I'm like, dude, like this is some of the coolest music for this era. But oh, yeah. Achilles Last Stand, in my opinion, again, I'm talking about the song like I'm going to marry it, which I might as well. Right. But I think (laughs) that is also Maybe not Robert Plant's greatest, really. Right. But for sure, as a band, the three playing um, together, the instrument people, (laughs) we'll just call them the instrument people. Yeah. They're just on top of their game. I mean, it's so good. Yes. That heart had to take it for influence. And then they became a band, right? (laughs) Like, I'm joking. Right. You're exactly right. (laughs) I'm kind of joking, though. Magic Man's amazing, by the way. We'll have to talk about that track sometime. Because I love Hart. He has, I don't even know the drummer for Hart, but he has such a good groove. Mm. I'm assuming he's a he. I know there are two women in Hart. Is that correct? Two or three? Yeah, they're sisters, actually. I didn't even know that. Two for sure. I don't know if there might be more, but yeah, they're sisters. Okay. I know the keyboardist is a guy and the guitarist is a guy. And I think the bassist is a guy. So I don't know who's on drums. It could be, maybe I should look it up. Just because (laughs) misinformation, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll make sure that I don't do that. Come on. Whenever you Google this stuff, like, I feel like the band should just come up, but whatever. Literally. <laughs> it is kind of a vague name. Let's see. So who is the drummer? Who is the... Wow, they had a lot of people change members. Uh, Denny? I mean, wait, who's the drum? Well, um, it looks like Oh, no, 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 no. Not Denny. It's it's years ago. It looks like they did have a woman at least at one point on synth, Debbie Cher. Okay. And then the rest were guys. And then, of course, you have the two main girls, Ann Wilson and Nancy Wilson, who both apparently also played guitar. Michael. Michael, what did he do? Michael DeRosier. I did not realize how crazy of a lineup Hart had. Like, it changes so much. But I guess Michael... DeRosier was there during the the Barracuda era. So that's what it's showing that's right so now. That's so cool. Yeah, that's a crazy song. That song's so good. Her vocals are 
Yeah. And her vocals are wild, wild. Fun fact, I taught at just for a little bit at this um, music studio called School of Rock (laughs) in Arizona. We have a ton of them. Yes. Oh, yes. It was called School of Rock. And they had me um, (laughs) they had me when I got hired sit in on some lessons with their top vocal teacher because she had so much experience in classical and rock vocals, which is an amazing mix to have. And she actually vocal coached one of the girls from Heart. And I was like, that's amazing. Isn't that crazy? Wow. I wish I remembered her name too. She was a very good teacher. Yeah. um, Whichever one of the girls is the singer in the band, whichever one of the women, incredible voice, amazing technique. It's so spot on. And I imagine her voice has stayed pretty healthy because of it, even though that type of music is hard on the voice. Like she does it so well. It's amazing. (laughs) So heart has your heart. Yeah. You know what? They're not my favorite band. Not that they're not amazing. I just never got into them. But man, vocally, I'm like, heck yeah. Heck yeah, girl. Do your thing. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That band's pretty amazing. So I'll I'll give them that. I kind of was like obsessed. Like, wow, this is pretty cool. Yeah. As far as presence is concerned, I definitely I wasn't that big. I agree. I wasn't that big on the rest of presence, but for sure, like that's probably one of the, in my opinion, one of the, I know it's not a quintessential Zeppelin track, but for me it is because I think it's a pretty underrated track. Maybe it isn't that underrated, but it, to me it is. Mm. I think it's one of their more interesting sounding tracks. Like it's obvious that that was like the first track that they were going to put on there. Like, no, this, this has to be number one. I'm like, whoa, like I'm hearing Page, it's a great opener. Yeah, I'm hearing Paige, Jones, and Bonham on the top of their game in that, in that song. Just as much as, as Immigrant Song or any other track, you know, they've done. So I love it. Yeah, I agree. And then the the segues are nice. You can even hear where Pearl Jam totally like ripped off Led Zeppelin, which is fine. Nice. I'm a PJ hater, but I actually do like Vitalogy and <laughs> I like Versus a little bit. So I'm not, I don't hate Pearl Jam, you know, I mean, Vetter is an amazing vocalist. We need to talk about him. Mm. I'm not big on his style, but he can kick my can when it comes to singing. I mean, he's he's a great singer. <laughs> what was my last statement? Because there was something I wanted to touch on. And it was, a oh, my goodness. I want to hear your opinions really quickly on, is it Deer Maker? Oh, yes. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> that one, the reggae one. <laughs> if you can call the it the reggae that. one. I love that song. You do? I love that song. Oh. Yeah, I love that. Song. <laughs> do you hate that song? <laughs> You're a reggae guy, so I could see you absolutely trashing on this song. I'm a reggae guy. Um, so <laughs> You're a reggae guy. <laughs> right? Um uh, so I actually, right, I'm going to point my ray gun at that song. So, okay, so this is funny, actually. I wasn't sure if you're going to categorize it the same as Honey Pie, which I know that would be terrible for me to say that because it's such a bad track. So maybe it's not that Honey bad Pie's in your mind. Terrible. I mean, yeah, Honey Pie's terrible. So I'll scra- scratch that, right? So with, is it Dire Maker or whatever you want to call it? it it's kind of... um. Jamaica. 
It's Jamaica. Because <laughs> they're British. Jamaica. That's that's what that is. It's a play on words. So the Brits actually did, to an extent, I think they did some justice to reggae. I mean, we could get into that another time. There are some great British reggae out there, but really dance hall, the 80s song, which everyone used to have that sound. Um, mm-hmm. UB40. Yeah, I could I could go pretty deeply into that. But the style of reggae that I'm particularly biased toward is early ska, which is pre-reggae, but then actual reggae, like roots reggae, which is the late 60s, early mid 70s reggae that the Whalers popularized reggae through. Mm. So they 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 popularized reggae through the roots rock reggae style. Burning Spear, Lee Perry and the Upsetters. That's the sound that they're known for. Because Yellow Man is dance hall and they all kind of share the different styles of reggae. But yes, after listening to that pretty religiously, it it's different. And so I've actually heard many people say that's probably their least favorite Led Zeppelin song and actually said that the band regretted it. Is that true? You know, I don't remember. I read a book on them. It's very possible. But oh my gosh, almost every single song on In Through the Outdoor is a hundred times worse than Jamaica. Like, okay. it's okay. <laughs> so much worse. In fact, they're, I think that the song that I would classify as bad as Honey Pie, like the the Zep version of Honey Pie would be on In Through the Outdoor. But I don't remember which one because like all of their other songs I'm so familiar with, not so with In Through the Outdoor because I hate that album. It's like actual trash. It just and so, goes yeah. in through the outdoor for you? <laughs> oh, yes. It goes, it goes in through the out ear for me. <laughs> Yeah, so definitely they have way worse tracks than that. But I can see a lot of people hating it. I like it. I I, I don't know. I like it. <laughs> and I like uh and like a mom like seeing a son completely fail and say, "Oh, that's cute, son." Like kind of way? <laughs> no, no. No, I actually I actually like it. Um So not ironically, you actually legitimately I actually legitimately like it. Songs that would be more like Good Job Son would be like Tangerine by Led Zeppelin. Terrible track. It's real. It's one of their ballads. They didn't do very good rock ballads. And that one was. um. That's fair. I mean, they were kind of a hard rock outfit anyway. <laughs> that was. Yeah, that was their thing. They ripped it up with uh, Good Times, Bad Times, Immigrant Song, um, Achilles. You know, I mean, almost. So good. They, they're really good at the hard rock. But whenever they try to go all soft and ballady, even even Chicago were really good at hard rock and ballads. And I'm not even big on a lot of Chicago ballads. In fact, that's yeah. probably the part of the band that I hate. No offense. But Led Zeppelin, it's a no for me, personally. Yeah, they do have one more ballady song that I really do like. That's but it's called- an exception. Yes. Tangerine sucks, but Tangerine's like... that. Tangerine is the song where I'm like, it's like my son and I'm giving him a pat on the head, like you said before. Absolutely. But, oh my gosh, in through the outdoor, I'm just like, what the heck were you doing? Like, get it together. Get it together, Zeppelin. And then they didn't because John Bonham died. <laughs> it was so sad. It was so sad. Rest in peace, John Bonham and Taylor Hawkins. So Yes. Very, very sad. It's the drummers. I don't know if Foo Fighters are going to go on. I didn't really want to bring this into it, but I don't even know if FF are going to continue. But I do hope the boys are recovering. I love them very deeply. And yeah, 
yeah, I, I, I see a parallel with Zeppelin, what's going on with Foo Fighters right now. So. Oh, that's sad. That's, that's unfortunate. It's like you have a band that's so good and they're like on top of their game, really. And with Led Zeppelin, they kind of lost it because of drugs. And that's what happened within Through the Outdoor. Jimmy Page was such such a mess at that point. So they were struggling anyway. It's not that the death of John Bonham just stopped them in their tracks. They were kind of fizzling out anyway, but trying to keep it going. Yeah. Um, and I think probably they would have gotten their stuff together eventually. I don't know how it is with the Foo Fighters, but it kind of sounds like from what you're saying, like the death of their bandmate might be the thing that messed them up. Whereas other than that, they would have been fine. Would you say that? You know, they were a band with a 27, maybe 28 years, if you're including before their debut year. It technically was Dave's passion project, but turned into a band. Okay. The first two records, Dave drummed. And then the last three through 10, Taylor has been their main drummer. And without Foo Fighters, Taylor, sorry, without Foo Fighters, Taylor. well, that too, but without Taylor, Foo Fighters would not be the band they were today because Dave and Taylor Styles are different enough that they would have totally taken the band in different directions, for sure. Nice. Nice. And so Dave's a great drummer, but Taylor, it just fits what we know Foo Fighters to be. And I think Taylor is much more fit. But yeah, Foo Fighters really needed, like they needed Taylor. And I'm not putting that lightly. That's a bummer. That's sad. To be fair, you could make an argument, well, what if Dave started doing the, the studio sessions, you know, maybe not the live, but what if he started doing the studio sessions? And I'm not saying it wouldn't work, okay? Because technically speaking, Foo Fighters did start with Dave on a kit mm. from a studio perspective, not live, but studio. That, that was Dave's sound originally. But after what we've experienced from the, the third to the 10th album, I don't know if we'd really even want to go back. Color and Shape's a great record. That's, that is a great record. And I love his playing on that. But like Taylor's drumming brings something to the table that Dave's didn't. And then Dave was able to focus on just being a songwriter and maybe have some input on drums because he was a drummer. But like the Taylor drumming dynamic was just so good. And like once you get a taste of Taylor, you don't necessarily want to go back to Dave on a kit. It's not that I don't like Dave on the kit. It's a fact that Taylor is Foo Fighters drummer, first and foremost, regardless of mm-hmm. Dave starting it. And I, I think Dave would agree with me. Taylor is the one worthy on that Foo Fighter kit. Taylor is an irreplaceable part of Foo Fighters. And my respect if they stop, you know. But anyway, we could totally get into that another time. In fact, I did want to go more into the 60s and 70s, maybe some Buffalo Springfield, maybe some more Grateful Dead or Jethro Tull. Yeah, we had wanted to get into Jimmy uh, or Are You Experienced and Dark Side of the Moon, too. So we can do that next time as well. Oh, my gosh. Yes, let's do that. And that'll be that'll be rad. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I appreciate having you here again. And this is always fun. And I will be with you next week. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Isaac. Thank you, Christina. Later, guys. We will be with you next week. Tune in for the Worktape podcast. 